a group was gathered for Bible study, and the question was posed, is there anything that God cannot do? And as folks were wrestling with uh, all the, the possible uh, answers uh, to that, finally one person uh, raised their hand, got everyone's attention, said, yes, there is one thing that even God cannot do. God cannot please everybody, <laughs> right? <laughs> Even God can't please everybody. And you know, that's true for all of us, isn't it? And the reality of life in this sin-scarred world, among the things that we have to deal with, we've been looking at uh, failure and stress and fear, but we want to look at the fact that all of us are going to have to learn uh, to deal with criticism. Criticism has been called the act that always changes. Jesus. When we are criticized, it always has an impact on us. We can get better through it or we can grow very bitter in the midst of it. But criticism is something we're going to have to deal with. It's part of the unwritten job description of every leader. It's been said, if you're going to call the shots, you're going to take the shots. And that goes with that. Aristotle said, criticism is something you can easily avoid. By saying nothing, doing nothing, and being nothing. If, if, if you qualify on all those accounts, maybe you'll be able to avoid criticism. Dale Carnegie of How to Win Friends and Influence People fame said, Any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain. And most fools do. <laughs> and so uh, you, you understand that criticism is something all of us uh, will deal with. For most of us, it's really not a question of will I be criticized. The question will be how will I respond? How will I respond to the criticism that will inevitably come into my life? It may come from total strangers. It may come in a work environment. It may come in social circles, a church circle. It may come within the context of our very own family. How do I deal with criticism. But again, the Bible is our guide. The Bible teaches us uh, not only how to, how to be saved, how to be in a right relationship with God, but how to, to, to get well when we're hurting, but how to live well. And, and it helps us to deal constructively with criticism. And so I just want to draw some uh, things out of the scripture here that I hope will be helpful to you as you deal with the inevitability of criticism in our lives. And maybe one of the first things is just to realize even good people get criticized. No matter how, how, how pure your motives, how even correct your actions may be, even good people get criticized. Uh, one of my uh, historical heroes has been Abraham Lincoln, and, and perhaps uh, we look back now and many think one of the greatest presidents our, our country ever had, uh, but that wasn't true at the time. Uh, he was perhaps as, as severely criticized as, as almost any leader had ever been. Uh, let me just give you one example of that. Uh, he was publicly called just about every name imaginable by the press of the day, including a grotesque baboon, a third-rate country lawyer who once split rails and now splits the union, 
a coarse, vulgar joker, a dictator, an ape, a buffoon, and others. The Illinois State Register labeled him the craftiest and most dishonest politician that ever disgraced an office in America. <laughs> oh, I wonder what they would think today uh, if they uh, were still around, what they might be writing. But in case you think that's not enough, how about Jesus himself? I mean, go read the Gospels. Jesus was criticized all the time. One example of that out of Mark's Gospel. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he's possessed. He's possessed by Beelzebul. And by the prince of demons, he cast out demons. They're criticizing what he does, how he teaches, ultimately criticizing that he must be possessed by the devil himself. And so the criticism happens even if you were to live a perfect life. like Jesus, you're still going to be criticized. Secondly, understand there's a difference between constructive and destructive criticism. There is a difference between constructive and destructive criticism. Not all criticism is is destructive. It it can be something that God uses to shape us and and powerful uh, in our lives. Proverbs 27 says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. My translation of that is simply this. Not everybody that criticizes you is your enemy, and not everybody that kisses you is your friend, right? Uh, uh, Sometimes the most loving thing someone could do is to bring a critique, to bring a different perspective, to give you some feedback that may feel hurt and painful initially, but it may be one of the most loving things they can do in your life. There's a difference between constructive and destructive criticism. How do you kind of distinguish between the two? I think sometimes it's helpful just to ask a series of questions. Something like, how? How was this criticism delivered? What was the spirit? What was the attitude that it was brought in? Is this a person who's coming, giving you the benefit of the doubt or in in, in a harsh, judgmental way? How was it given? When was it given? When was it given? Was this done public or private? Is this somebody who's just spouting off at you in an angry moment? Or is this somebody that they're coming to you after much thought and much prayer? Uh, they're the just kind of when it was given uh, is a huge factor along the way. Why? Why was it given? Why would they bring this up? Was it from a personal agenda, or was it something because for your benefit? You know why? Why? Why did they feel the need to bring that up to you? And then who? Who gave it? Who is the one who is pouring this out? What's going on in their life? Sometimes hurt people hurt people. And so sometimes you have to say, well, what's, what's going on with them? Is this a person that, that, that has a history of just a real, a real critical nature uh, along the way? Uh, when you have some of those folks, you don't maybe listen to the, what they have to say as much. I, I remember hearing the, the story of a, of a barber who just uh, had just such a critical spirit. And uh, one of his customers was sitting in his chair and he was telling him, he said, man, I'm so excited. He said, I'm, I'm getting ready to travel to Rome. And, and, and the barber begins to ask him questions. He said, what airline are you taking? 
He told him, he said, oh, terrible, terrible airline. No, it's not good. Well, where are you going to be staying? Oh, I've read the reviews. That's the worst, worst hotel. That, that's just horrible. They have terrible service. And, and, you know, and he said, well, you know, you know I, I'd really, really hope to, to get to see the Pope. And he said, no, listen, Americans don't get in to see that. You're not going to, that you just need to get that out of your mind. There is no way that you're going to see the Pope. Well, weeks later, the guy comes back and he's in the chair and he's just bouncing. And the barber asked him, he said, he said, well, how did your trip to Rome go? He said, oh man, he said, let me tell you. It was, it was the greatest flight. I mean, it was first-class service. Everything was on time. It was wonderful. The hotel just blew us away. They just, they just, they just had those extra touches, and they were, they were so cordial and so helpful and gave us some great pointers along the way, and, and it was great. And you know what? I got to see the Pope. I got in and got an audience with the Pope. And, and fact is, I, I even got to kneel down and he, he placed his hand on my head and prayed for me. He said, he said, really? He said, man, man, what did the Pope say to you? He said, my son, where did you get such an awful haircut? <laughs> oh. Well, that's Sometimes you just gotta gotta figure out who is the one giving you this criticism, right? And there are folks that just have a critical spirit. Folks that just have a critical spirit. Here's one of the things that's been helpful to me. I, I, I Lord's taught me somewhere along the way, and I have to relearn the lesson. But the, the lesson is something like this: don't don't count your critics, weigh them. Don't count your critics, weigh them. You know, that even though there's a lot of them, that doesn't even necessarily mean it's right. There are some people that their, their word carries more weight because of who they are, because of the spirit that they're coming to you in, because of, of their life and, and because of their love and all of those things. So recognize there is a difference between constructive and destructive criticism. Third, watch your own attitude toward the critic. Watch your own attitude toward the critic. Sometimes when we experience criticism, we, we power up, the defenses go up, we, we uh, jump into to attack mode along the way. But the scripture encourages us, uh, go at it differently. And again, holds up the example of Christ in this. For to, to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continuing, continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Wow. Without sin, no deceit in his mouth. And yet when he was reviled, he didn't return it. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the Father. Sometimes when we have that criticism, one of the first growth points is, Father, check my attitude. Help, help me not to return uh, hatred. Help me not to get overly defensive here. So watch your own attitude. And, and, and what will help in that is don't take yourself so seriously. 
Don't take yourself so seriously. Some of us, we, we take ourselves so seriously that, that anybody would offer any feedback or criticism. It becomes, it becomes almost a, a personal affront. It just kind of uh, collapses our, our self-image along the way. Proverbs says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It, it, it takes humility to be able to, to, to allow someone else to speak into your life and, and to have the humility to kind of filter that and interpret that uh, in the Lord. You know, our problem is we tend to take ourselves way too seriously and God not seriously enough. Uh, you know, I, I think we would be a whole lot more teachable if we took God, his holiness, his kingdom, his agenda, his priorities much more seriously than we do ourselves. That, that, that spirit of humility, that spirit of teachability, that, that spirit of growth says, you know, I, I can learn from this. Even if it's delivered poorly, even if it's delivered with not the best intentions, God, there may be something that you can teach me in the midst of this. And that leads to the, the, the fifth observation, and that is focus on what is true and forget the rest. Focus on what is true and forget the rest. So well, what, what is it in, in what I'm hearing or what I'm receiving that, that God might possibly be true? Proverbs says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. <laughs> now that, that's, that's pretty right out there, right? Uh, you know, uh, sometimes somebody says, well, I, I don't like to teach my kids to say stupid. And I understand that. I get that. But don't write me a letter about that. I just read it in the Word, all right? I just read it right there. He who hates reproof is stupid. That, that sense of, okay, there may be something in here for me. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. So I had to begin to say, God, what, what, what might be true in this? I call this the nugget of truth principle. The nugget of truth principle. Listen, somebody may deliver some criticism, and it may, be, it may be way off base, and it may be done in the wrong way with the wrong spirit and all of those things. And, and honestly, it may be a, a, a dump truck load of just nonsense. But there may be a nugget of truth in there. And so God just, Lord, I need your discernment. I need you to help me to understand, is there something I need to learn from this? Is there some truth in the midst of this? Is there a nugget that I can grow from? And, and now I'm going to tell you, I, I heard a, a, a well-known Christian leader in some circles, and I won't, won't call their name. But uh, I, I, this has been something I've taught for a while. And and they were in a teaching environment and basically just heard from their mouth that they thought this was just a bunch of hooey. Uh, and they, they, just, they just thought that was absolutely wrong and that, that, you know, you just basically you just ignore all your critics and all of that sort of thing. And I, I, I know when I was sitting there listening to that, I, there was just a check in my spirit, you know. It's like, ugh. No, 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 no. Let's be careful. And so not totally surprising when a few years later uh, this person had to be removed uh, from their position of leadership and since I heard that I, I wondered could it possibly be that God delivered some nuggets of truth uh, along the way but because of their commitment to, to kind of blowing off a critic they, they missed what God may be teaching them Let, listen it may be poorly delivered, 
very often it is. It may not be done in the right way, and you may even question if it's done in the right spirit. But there may possibly be, not always, but there may possibly be a nugget of truth in there. The balance is what's true, and then forget the rest. Forget the rest. Just, just let it wash on down, right? Let it wash on down. A sixth principle for uh, constructively uh, dealing with criticism is wait for time to prove you out. Wait for time to prove you out. You, you, can't, you can't have every argument. You can't stop every time. You, sometimes you just have to say, I'm, I'm going to keep doing what God's called me to do. And again, we'll just, just kind of look to the life of Jesus as this, this great example. But when he was accused by the chief priest and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? Why didn't Jesus engage in a lengthy back and forth with Pilate? Because he knew time would prove him out. He knew time would prove him out. Yes, there was going to be a crucifixion, but that wasn't going to be the last word. There was going to be a resurrection. There was going to be a resurrection. He knew that time would prove him out. Winston Churchill kept on the, the wall of his office uh, a quote from Abraham Lincoln because he, he was experiencing a lot of criticism and he knew that Lincoln had gone through the same thing. Lincoln's quote that hung on Churchill's office wall, I do the very best I can and I mean to keep going. If the end brings me out all right, then what is said against me won't matter. If I'm wrong, ten angels swearing I was right won't make a difference, <laughs> right? Uh, you're not going to spend all that time arguing. I'm going to give all my energy to trying to prove I was right. I'm just going to keep doing. If the end brings me out all right, I'm going to trust that time will prove me out. Which leads to the seventh observation. Prayerfully discern when it's time to answer the criticism. So sometimes the, the right response is to say nothing and keep chugging. <laughs> But sometimes, because the issue is so critical, maybe because what's being said is so off base and has the, the potential to impact others in a very, very negative way, sometimes you have to answer uh, the criticism. And it takes some wisdom and discernment to understand when is it time to just allow, wait, and let time prove you out. When is the time to answer? Uh, Ecclesiastes says there's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. And I need prayerful discernment to know when it is time to keep silent and when indeed it is time to speak. Again, we've been kind of using Jesus as, as an example throughout this. Uh, there he was before Pilate, and he said, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and let time prove me out. But there's other times in Jesus' life when he did kind of confront and answer the critics. One example, Matthew 9. As Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said... Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. 
Now, Jesus decided in that moment, wait a minute, this was an important point. This was not only affecting him, but this was affecting his disciples. And he needed to address this. He needed to answer this. Sometimes you wait and let time prove you out. Sometimes you have to take on that criticism. You have to give pushback. You have to give another perspective along the way. Sometimes you have to prayerfully discern when it's time to answer the criticism. An eighth observation, focus on God and keep on working. Focus on God and keep on working. As you're dealing with the criticism, as you're maybe looking for that nugget of truth, the discerning between constructive and destructive, prayerfully trying to discern, is this a time to just let time uh, prove me out or is this one of those occasions when I need to answer the critic? But don't stop. Don't stop. Focus on God and keep on working. Said another way, focus on your mission. Change your mistakes. Listen, there may be something you need to learn from that. Uh, Change that mistake, but don't quit the mission. Keep focusing on the mission. One of my favorite examples of this is in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4, they're rebuilding the wall. There's been criticism that's continually being hurled at Nehemiah from all uh, directions along the way. Uh, And then I think that should be Nehemiah chapter 6, actually. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although Though up to that time I had not set up the door. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm, and I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says that, that you and the Jews intend to rebel, and that's why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. <laughs> They've been criticizing the work, and now uh, they're, they're sending multiple attempts to get it to stop. They're spreading rumors of rebellion and that he wants to be a king and all of this stuff. And in the midst of all of that, Nehemiah says, I am not stopping <laughs> I am not coming down because this is a great work that God has called me to. And if you move on down to verse 9, he says, For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. What was he doing? He's focusing on God and he kept on working. Focus on God and keep on working. Learn the lessons, fix your mistakes, get better, grow, but focus on God and keep on working. Keep on working. Sometimes what happens in the face of criticism is we stop. We halt the work. We come down from the wall, the wall that God has called us to. Focus on God and keep on working. And the ninth thing that I'll suggest to you as a possible handle that can help us to constructively deal with criticism is ultimately you have to decide who you're going to please. 
Who are you going to please? Remember, we started off by saying even God can't please everybody. If you're trying to please everybody, it's going to drive you absolutely crazy. You have to decide who you're going to please. That's something that that became kind of one of those foundational rocks for Paul in his life and ministry. To the Corinthians, he wrote, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. In the end, he said, you know, whose opinion matters the most, whose evaluation matters the most is going to be the Lord's. And later he would write to the Corinthians, so whether we are at home, being at home in the body or away, we make it our aim to please him to please him. One of the things that helped Paul navigate all all the criticism, all the opposition, all the the, the imprisonments and and side shipwrecks and all the things that happened in his life, he had decided early on as a follower of Christ who he was going to please, whose opinion mattered the most to him. It didn't, doesn't say that other people's opinions don't matter at all. It's just whose opinion matters the most. It will give you an anchor to navigate the storms of criticism when you decide in advance who it is that you're going to please. The question is not, will I be criticized? The question is, how will I handle, how will I deal with the inevitable criticism that comes into my life? When criticized, we will become better or bitter. Bitter or better. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've done it. Both. Sometimes when you have that criticism, it just wears at you and you feel like you want to power up and fight back and talk back and you can just kind of start to feel bitterness creeping in. Other times, God gives you the grace to deal with it and grow through it. And it makes you better. It presses you into him. It refines your your, your, your direction, it refocuses you on the mission. When criticized, we'll either become better or bitter, and it really, really, really is a choice. There's an old story. You've probably heard versions of it through the years, but it's been one of those word pictures that, that's been helpful to me. It's a story of a, of a donkey. Always learn from donkeys, right? Donkey managed to fall into an old dry well that hadn't been properly covered up. The the farmer, the owner, and some friends, they didn't have, there's no way to get him out of there. I mean, it was deep and narrow, and it's just like, you know, they tried a couple different things. Nothing was working, and they just said, listen, but this is just a loss. I mean, you know, donkey was old, and, you know, the most merciful thing we could do is just cover him up, man, because, you know, he's just going to starve to death down there. and just did. So that's what they did. They started with the shovels, and they started tossing dirt in the well, right? What they didn't know is that if every load of dirt had come down, it'd land on that donkey's back, and he'd shake it off. 
step up. They kept shoveling dirt. He'd keep shaking it off and step up. More dirt, more shaking it off and stepping up. And son, about partway through, somebody realized what was happening. They weren't burying this donkey. They were lifting him up, right? And they kept shoveling the dirt. He kept shaking it off and stepping up, shaking it off and stepping up. Eventually, they got it up to the point where the old donkey just walked out, right? He walked out. They'd spent all that time shoveling dirt. And he just managed to shake it off and kept stepping up. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to be like that old donkey. Sometimes I just need to shake it off and keep stepping up. Shake it off and keep stepping up. Learn what you need to learn. Fix your mistakes. Grow. Get better. Shake it off and keep stepping up. By God's enabling grace, he'll use criticism. Criticism that may be delivered well and in the right spirit and the right way at the right time. Criticism that may be delivered in the worst possible way by the, by, by the, the most uh, unqualified person at the wrong time. and Hardly any bit of it's true. But if you'll allow him, God will enable you to shake it off and keep stepping up and keep growing into the man and to the woman that he's called you to be to fulfill the purposes that he has for your life. You will experience criticism. The only question is, how will you respond? Let's go to him together in prayer, please. Oh, Father, how we thank you that in the world in which we deal with criticism, we're not alone. That every one of your servants, including your son, dealt with criticism. Father, criticism is something that you use to sharpen us, to grow us, to develop us. But only as we respond to it well. And so, Father, I just pray. I pray for myself. I pray for every person here. Lord, I pray that as we bump into the inevitable criticisms of life, that we would learn what we need to learn. We would reject what's not from you. We would learn how to shake it off and keep stepping up. Lord, that we would, even through the gift of criticism, become a little more like your son, Jesus. A little more like the man or the woman that you created us to be. That we would move a little more effectively to fulfill your calling and your purposes for our lives. Father, thank you. Thank you that we don't go through any of the things we're talking about in this series alone, but that you are the God who is with us and the God who is for us, and that you are the God who will use even criticism in our lives to shape us for your glory. And as we just, just continue in that attitude. Of-